Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Rooted Deep, a podcast featuring Reba Bowman and Allison Hale. Well, welcome to the podcast today. We are really so excited uh, today because we've got a special guest with us today. Uh, and Ross Robinson is here with us today from Bold Move. And I think this is going to just be a phenomenal conversation. And I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Uh, today, um, I want to tell you just a little bit about Ross before we jump in. Ross is a professional certified leadership coach uh, with the International Coaching Federation. And Man, he's a certified strengths coach with Gallup, uh, which has really impacted my life. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. And he's also a licensed coach trainer. So he and his wife, Janice, founded a company called Bold Move International. And that company combines, I just love this because it combines the beauty of both of their strength sets into this really power package of uh, amazing stuff they put together to really help leaders grow and to help them be more equipped to do the things that God's called them to do and to find success. So um, I have been blessed. Ross has been my friend, man. You guys have been my friend now for over 30 years. I was thinking about this and I'm like, good night. Um, but you've been my friend for over 30 years, but I've also, Ross has also been my coach. And uh, I really at Dare For More, uh, establishing some things, getting over some huge hurdles, uh, helping me grow personally and uh, helping me get unstuck in so many places where I felt like, oh my goodness, what do I do from here? And Ross has helped coach me through so many things. And so he's not only my friend, but I definitely uh, would call him my coach. And I'm so excited to have him on the podcast today. So welcome, Ross. Thank you, Reba. All right, everybody. This is Allie, and this is my first time, maybe with a lot of you, it's my first time meeting Ross, and I'm excited. Uh, we're meeting, I'm in the Dominican as usual, and uh, we're meeting uh, this way via Zoom, but we're just excited because we do want to focus on the importance of being a good communicator. Reba and I were talking the other day, and I said, I feel like I've, I'm hearing something, but I'm not listening correctly, and and we already had this uh, this concern in our in our hearts about there's so many verses in the Bible that talk about the importance of our words as well as the way we listen. So we know it's important, but honestly, we know that that might be a struggle for a lot of us in our interpersonal communication. So welcome, Ross, and it's very nice to meet you today. Thanks, Allie. Hey, Ross, so tell us just a little bit as we get started. Tell us a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about Bold Move. Just give us a little bit of introduction to you and Bold Move. Okay. So I actually started, um, if you go way back, I started my career in public accounting and pretty quickly um, realized that while there were parts of accounting that I loved, I really wanted the emphasis of my work to have something more to do with people, developing people, and I would say specifically leadership development. So I made the move into um, church world. I went to seminary, made the move into church world and helped with a new startup church, <clears throat> which is now not so young anymore. Um, but I spent a lot of years building vision and people and leaders in a context where it was kind of like a blank canvas, like it was a new work and nothing had happened before. And I learned through that, that my real, like, I think my real the way God made me and my real passion is around creative development and 
and people development, specifically leadership development. And so about 10 years ago, I went to my first ever coach training, and it was one of those moments that was completely unexpected in my life that it would, it, I mean, at the end of the week, I was like, I don't care what else happens in my life. I know I will give myself to this. It is who I'm born to be. I want to get really good at it. I mean, a lot of, a lot of coaching technique and skill is tied to listening, active listening. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's so many pieces of that and nuances of that. And so for the last 10 years, um, I've worked hard at that. And as you were mentioning, like tried to get some specific trainings and certifications that uh, dovetail really well into working with leaders of a wide variety of organizations. I love variety. So I work with all kinds of different leaders doing all kinds of really cool things around the world. Um, And then in 2014, um, we put my wife Janice's public speaking consulting and my leadership coaching together and formed Bold Move. And that's what we do all the time now. And right when we were becoming empty nesters, we were like, it, it felt like let's do this as a little side hustle, okay. um, you know, on our day off. And then now we do both do it full time. So that's yeah, it. and love it. Well, and you're good at it. And that is uh, what's so important. And I think like you said, one of the one of the foundations to being a great coach is active listening and active listening is such a part of interpersonal communication and some of the things that we're going to be talking about today um so you know ross let's just jump in we talk about listening um to respond and then there's listening to really hear what's being said and i think those are two really different things uh whether you know i'm i can be listening to respond to somebody and i'm just waiting on them to shut up so i can say my piece uh you know and then there's listening to really hear what somebody's saying so help us process that how why is what which one is the most important and how do we do it reba it's such a good question and i just like I can't help but smile right now because I'm thinking if we actually think about the idea of listening to respond, if we're both doing that in a conversation, Mm -hmm. then you've already decided what your message is that you need to get across. And you're listening, air quotes, listening to me so that you can find the right places and the right, you know, uh, jump jump off places to get your message in and I'm doing the same. So I don't know if that's actually really listening. It's more like posturing so that we can find platforms for the messages that we already know and want to bring. And so much of interpersonal communication, I think is characterized by that. Whereas actual listening, if you think it just about the word, like listening, you have to hear what the other person is saying. Um, And an important part of listening to hear or understand is hearing it from the vantage point of the person who's saying it, not from the vantage point of how it aligns or doesn't align with your perspective or your message. So I think like for me, being in a conversation where people are exchanging, 
I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying being in a conversation where people are exchanging the things that they already feel very passionately about and they're going to leave feeling exactly the way they did when they came in is very, very different than leaving an interpersonal communication setting where you feel like you understand something that you didn't before. You actually heard and picked up on something that you've never maybe thought of in your life. Hmm. That's kind of how I would draw the contrast. That's, that's an interesting, um, and I think everybody needs to hear this again, because like, like you said, if you're listening to respond, you're not listening at all. You're just waiting. And it's like, you're just standing on the, on the platform and everybody's just kind of, you know, it's almost like, uh, it's almost like playing double Dutch or whatever jump rope, you know, now it's my turn. Now it's my turn. Now it's my turn. And, uh, and that's, and that's like you said, you don't come away from the conversation any, any different and there's been no growth between you and the person that you're con- conversing with there's been no empathy and uh and mm. so that is that's 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 a tough way to look at the way we all listen and i'm i'm myself chief of that you know the bad listeners um so you know what what is a good listener if you say okay i want somebody to really listen to me um you've mentioned empathy but what are some you know what are some points to that so I would like if I tried to really summarize it and and say, how would I measure if I did a good job listening in a setting of interpersonal communication, I would say kind of bottom line, did I walk away having accurately reflected back to that person, their perspective, and they were nodding? or they were feeling heard or acknowledging that they felt understood. It's different than me agreeing with what you said, but did I, was I actually able to mirror back to you something that you were trying to communicate and you give like kind of the green light that, Oh yeah, Ross, you got it. Like that's uh, I mean, there, <laughs> it's not an easy path to get there, but I would say that's maybe a good measure. If you kind of look at the finish line, Ross, I think what you just said is so important that it doesn't mean you agree just because you comprehend and understand what they've said. Um, I think sometimes that is a a um, a, a roadblock for us. That it's it's almost like, well, if I get it, then I I I'm saying I agree with you, and that's not necessarily true, right? Not true at all. Yeah. And, and I think if, if I'm in a conversation with you and I would, I'll take it another step, Reba, and say, and I'm somehow going to feel guilty or like I failed to stand up or represent truth um, if I don't say the thing, then already I'm not in an active listening mode, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So there are times where that happens in a conversation. It happens very well and very appropriately, but that's not the same as listening to understand somebody else. Yeah. Um, One more thing before we kind of move from this, but I think, uh, you know, there's an attitude that we come into. um, And I know when when I'm going to have to have a hard conversation or when I know that there's a hard conversation that needs to happen. There's a whole psych up process that happens. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it a couple of times and I'm, okay, how do I do, you know, and there's this whole thing and there's a lot of tension, I think, especially if you think it's not, uh, it's not an easy conversation. 
And obviously that's kind of maybe what we're talking about because I think the easy conversations just kind of flow. Um, you know, um, but it's, it's sometimes in those hard conversations that we have with people, but how do we, how do I approach a situation like that so that I'm ready to have that conversation? Can you give us any tips on that? I mean, how do we walk into that conversation and be, you know what, I'm ready to be here and I'm ready to do the things Ross said we ought to do. I'm ready to listen, truly listen, and to be able to hear what they're saying enough to be able to give it back to them and get the green light from them. How do I get my attitude and how do I get my heart rate and how do I get my stress levels focused so I yeah. can go into a conversation like that in a positive way? Good, Reva. So here's where my mind's going right now is if I'm usually, if you come to me and all of a sudden I realize, oh, we're in a really uncomfortable situation because Reva came to talk to me about something that sure. usually that more catches us by surprise because we weren't prepping for that. We we're in it. Yeah. Or maybe you're not coming to confront me or give me feedback about something, but you're talking about something that makes me very uncomfortable or that I disagree with. Like usually we don't have a lot of lead time on those. Sure. Versus if I'm, if I know I need to have a conversation with you and it's going to be difficult I have time to prep for that. So I kind of wanted to pull those two things apart and say, in one case, we could talk about when I find myself even feeling like suddenly in an interpersonal conversation that I did not know was going to happen and it's really uncomfortable, what can I do? Mm -hmm. That's more like on the listening side. And then I would say, if I'm going to have to have an uncomfortable conversation and it's my message that I want the other person to hear, that's a little bit more on the speaking or, you know, delivering side. And I think there's some really great tips for that too. So what do you think when you hear me pull that apart like that, do either of you have a way you want to go? Well, I mean, this is, it's interesting that you say this because um, when we're speaking about something that I hate talking about, which is money, with my husband. I don't like, you know, I don't, he likes to plan in the future. And so he actually has to reserve a time about 36 to 48 hours in advance. Hey, on Thursday afternoon at four o'clock, we were going to talk about this. He gives me a moment to prepare because he knows I don't like it. And, but he knows it's a necessary conversation. I think that's respectful. We don't always yep. have the luxury of doing that. Um, and then just kind of a, it's one of those heads up situations. Hey, I really want to talk about some things, but I think, it, you know, we need to find a moment that we can just both listen to one another. Just the heads up has personally always been helpful for me, especially just, you know, on that personal side with, um, you know, talking about, I hate talking about money and uh, I can't handle it. And, um, and so that's one of the things. And then you mentioned just being emotionally prepared to speak. I think sometimes people need to understand that they're coming from, there's a filter to hearing and there's a filter when you're, I'm listening, but I'm already, I'm already upset or I'm already nervous. And so people need to understand how to deal with that. You know, what do I do with my emotions and how do I, how do I listen through that? And what, you know, what are some points on that? Good question, Allie. And the research is pretty stunning um, that, that, basically demonstrates that when somebody starts telling me something that I'm doing wrong or 
something that I believe or hold dearly is wrong. Like this, they may not use the word wrong, but that's the essence of the communication. It's like true for all of us, no matter how good we think we are at it. The truth is when those conversations happen, we get triggered in the same way as if somebody like burst through our front door at midnight with a gun. Mm -hmm. It is, it is, you it's move, an assault. It's, it it's is, assault, it, yeah. and you move out of the logical region of your brain that's weighing evidence and making, you know, kind of a deliberate decision. And you move into the involuntary part of your brain, which is programmed in a good way for fight or flight. But if you think about it, it's so true. Like when somebody's bringing to me uh, information that makes me feel like I'm wrong or bad, or my beliefs, or you know, these positions I hold are wrong or bad, then usually what we're used to is the person gets really defensive and verbally defensive, which is fight, you know, metaphorically, but it's like, nope, I'm going to stand my ground and get my message out or flight, which is just complete shutdown. Like, are you done yet? Yeah. So I can walk away because I'm not going to say a word to you if mm -hmm. you're going to talk like this. So I do think um, that recognizing, knowing the information that you will get triggered, you can't not get triggered. We're not trying to grow out of that. God made us this yeah. way. In essence, when we feel attacked, we go into fight or flight. It also, I think, gives us all like this dose of humility to say like when when Allie is telling me something that she disagrees with about me or my position, that is not a bear on my deck when I walk out back to empty the trash. <laughs> right. Right. But it, but I'm reacting the same way internally. And so to, to be able to say to myself, when I feel that rise of emotion or whatever word you want to use to describe it, to be able to say, this is normal and she is not a bad guy. Yeah. I need to just, and then Reba, this gets to some of your question, I think like, so a very practical thing I can do is to begin to focus on my breathing in that moment mm -hmm. and say like, I need to get some oxygen to my brain. It will help me think more clearly and engage in this conversation in a more productive way. This is how God has made our bodies. And you know, all of a sudden things got very narrow and constricted inside because we don't if, if we really are in danger, we don't need to be weighing things. We need to be moving. And so I need to try to reverse that. So, you know, not speaking immediately, taking some deep breaths to get some oxygen flowing, even being able to articulate back to you an, in eye language. I can tell that like, I'm uh, this conversation is triggering me and I just need a minute to gather myself and I'd really like to stay in the conversation, um, then it doesn't, I'm not back on attacking you, but I'm kind of acknowledging this is hard for me. I need to, you know, gather myself for a moment and then I want to try to stay in the conversation. So, yeah. Oh, that's good. 
I think it's it's interesting um, this this talk about listening. I think both Reba and I are trying our best, and the people in the podcast need to understand we're just focused on listening so much to Ross because we want to make sure we're doing it right. But then we also have a question, and so uh, we're both kind of very paused. Normally, Ross, our our conversations with different people on the podcast are like you know just quick, 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 quick. And Ross is kind of slowing us down. So I I think it's been good for me and Reba just in this moment. but I wanted maybe, to just, maybe that's yeah. a little case study in how it feels actually to slow my brain down mm-hmm. and like you said and like really try to absorb what what is happening on the other side good yeah thanks for saying that Allie that's important so okay give us we've got the question out there how can people walk away I know you, you know this is probably the type of coaching that takes hours and and weeks and and but in just a few minutes tell us how should we approach a conversation or how should we listen um, just as Christians, as, you know, decent human beings, um, how should we, what kind of listeners should we really be? Great. So real quickly, let's just say, I think it's always wise, um, to assess the context, which like might sound complicated, but honestly, if you're just getting together with friends and you all pretty much agree with each other about things, then, this is not difficult, and but you've at least like you you know that this is a situation where there's going to be this kind of free exchange of ideas, and nobody's probably going to get their feelings heard. And here we go, right? But if it is a situation where either I know I'm going in, and this is somebody that I know that I'm I'm not probably going to agree with on some things, or a person who has already maybe expressed they're having an issue with me or a problem with me, then I think just quickly assessing the context and saying to myself, if I really want to work on listening, then this meeting or this conversation is not about me getting my message out. Hmm. Like just to be able to say like, what what is the purpose of this conversation? Because without thinking about it, our default will always be in a conversation to get our message out. Oh, that's really good, Ross. Right? So just yeah. to say, what is the purpose? Well, in this case, actually, it's not about me getting a message out. It's about me hearing the message the other person's trying to get out. So if, if I can create that distinction, then I think, Allie, we can move into, so what are some of the things we can do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I think sometimes we come into those conversations um, insecure, and we come into those, uh, at least I know, I think from, um, maybe I can speak for the women just a little bit, but I think, uh, you know, we come in, like Allie mentioned earlier, with a lot of emotions, depending on which one you lean into the strongest, but maybe it's insecurity, or maybe it's self-doubt, or, you know, uh, maybe it is, um, you know, I'm, got to be ready to defend myself or my family or, you know, my position. And sometimes, you know, I think in the culture, especially Ross, um, there's a whole world that completely disagrees with a lot of things that I believe are truth. And yet at the same time, I'm called to love and I'm called to show love. And yet I'm called to speak truth in love. And I think that verse is so powerful, but I think it may be some of the most difficult passages in scripture (laughs) that how do we speak truth, whether it's our husband or our children or the neighbor across the street, how do we speak truth and do it in love 
in a way that honors God, respects the truth that we believe in, and yet honors that person that we're speaking to. Yeah, great, great question. <laughs> that one was not on the question list. I, know. <laughs> I threw you a curveball, but I just- No, I love it, because it's tied together, like listening yeah. well and, and, and delivering a message well. If we deliver well, it at least increases the possibility of the other person hearing it. If we don't deliver well, we're we're helping create a context where listening will not happen. Yeah, you know, um, and then we walk away and say she didn't listen to a word I said. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, right? How many people would have wanted to in a conversation <laughs> yeah. like that? You know, right? So Reba, I would say, I would say, if I were going to give one tip, I would yeah. say. If before you come to me to tell me the truth in love, you will pause and ask yourself, what is he doing? What is he doing that I want to talk to him about? Not how does it make me feel? Like that'll probably be the first thing that comes up is how what I'm doing makes you feel. That's fine. It's valid. I'm not saying that's not valid, but if, if you want to have a conversation with me about how I make you feel, that's going to be, that's going to be really tough. No matter how we hard we both try. Because you're felt like I can't change your filters. I can't change. So like mm -hmm. if it's husband and wife and we want to have those kinds of conversations to understand, but let's say in the workplace, for example, yeah. or in a volunteer team at church, something's not working. If I can just say to myself, what is Reba doing? And I, I'm then I ask myself that again, like, well, she's disrespecting me. Okay, then ask, use the same question. When Reba is disrespecting me, what is she doing? Hmm. That's really good. That and then ask it again. Yeah. Walk it, yeah, walk it back. And kind of she's calling this. me names. She's calling me names in front of other people. When Reba is calling me names in front of other people, what is she doing? Let's go one more step. And what you'll see happen is, okay, now I'm getting to the real situations where in front of the whole volunteer team, two times in a row in our meetings, Reba has called me and then I'll insert the name that she has called me that to me feels disrespectful, right? Mm -hmm. But if we start where most people start, the conversation is you're disrespecting me and you know what is about to happen? Now we're going to have a debate over what is disrespect. Mm. And I've, I mean, this is not made up. Like I've been in a real conversation where someone said, are you kidding me? Like I'm a, an Italian from New Jersey. This is how we talk to each other around the dinner table because we love each other. <laughs> so, and we can debate for hours whether this is respect or not, but that's not the point, is it? Right. If we're going to be on a team together and this behavior of yours shuts me, I shut down and I don't participate well, or I'm ready to quit, then I can give you that feedback in a way, if I can get clear on what is it that you're doing and try to set the other stuff aside and just in a sense, bring that to you and ask for change. So that would be my one tip on how do we deliver, how do we speak the truth and love well? It's not working up our courage so we can blurt out every facet of this truth, <laughs> right? And it's right. not attaching 10 Bible verses to it and hugging the person and tell them how much we love them. 
none of that is going to help if I'm, if, if you're attacking me or if it, you know, is presented in that way. So I would just say, it's not easy, but it's simple. It's like, what is the person doing? What are they actually doing? You think you have the answer? Replay the question. When they're doing that, what are they doing? And see where you can get. Oh, that's really good. That is very helpful. I wanted to ask, kind of switch gears. We're in kind of the mode of, um, we're in mask, full mask season because of COVID. And so if you're listening right now, you know, or if you're listening um, early in July, tw you know, 2020, we're full in mask, mask, uh, mask mode. And it's really been hard to kind of express. So I want to talk about some nonverbal mm. communication because my husband came home on Sunday and he's like, it's really hard to preach to a whole of an auditorium full of masks. I don't know if they're listening. I don't know if they're, you know, and I was like, well, you know, I understand because I'm actually talking to people or I'm, I'm saying hello behind my mask. Nobody can tell. Um, but so, so just, you know, as a context, what are some nonverbal, if I want to show you that I'm listening or if I want to look like I'm listening, uh, which yeah. I should be listening, I know that. Um, what yeah. are some, what's some nonverbal, you know, clues to that and some helpful hints? That is a great question, Allian. And shockingly, um, I mean, this is over decades. We hear from the research in the area of communication that nonverbals carry well over the majority of what people hear you saying. And tone is gonna, you know, be another. So between nonverbals and like maybe 7% is tone, we're up to 80% or more of the message isn't your content. It's mm. not your words. So it's a really good question. Um, so I think in a day when I've been thinking about this question too, when how much of our nonverbals are communicated through our, the part that a mask covers, you smile or you grimace, that's your mouth, right? Yeah. Eyes are also a part of that. Um, but when the, when you take the mouth away, it, it's harder to read the eyes, right? Mm -hmm. So what can we do if we're sitting, like, it's one thing to be sitting in like an audience and the speaker's trying to read nonverbals. And I think anything from nodding my head to leaning in, whether I'm one-on-one -on -one or in a group, like this is always an indicator that I'm on track with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's hard to do that if your mind is somewhere else. I can promise you, if you're planning what you're going to say next, or you're listening for a place to jump in, you, you won't be leaning forward and nodding. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're somewhere else, right? Exactly. So I think you can you can use those ideas to push mm -hmm. yourself to engage with the speaker. Oh, leaning is like I'm trying to hear mm -hmm. them. I'm nodding. Mm -hmm. Nodding doesn't have to mean I agree with everything I'm saying. It's like, I'm tracking with you. I'm listening to you. And then I think if I'm wearing a mask, I, one of the things I'm like experimenting with is verbalizing my nonverbal. Mm, okay. I realize I'm smiling and you can't see it. And mm. so I say, I'm smiling under here. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, or big smile under here. It's really fascinating, but it, it's a great exercise in yeah. like me making explicit to you what's going on with me. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that is very helpful. What do you think about somebody who is, um, 
you know, they, they're non, non-verbal as far as like crossing the, crossing the arms um, or like you said, leaning back. Uh, a friend of mine um, who she was telling me now, if you have to go into your leader, you know, don't, if you cross your arms and you close up, then he knows he can't, you know, he, he's not going to bother you or whatever. He was, touched, it was, she, she was trying to help me out um, with hard conversations, but she talked about it. Um, you know, kind of keeping everything internal. So what are some like other body language, you know, that we can help with? Good question. So I will say one of the biggest, so people will like to argue about that crossing arms things because some people are like, well, that's just the most comfortable way for me to sit. Why are you judging me and telling me that I'm closed? But then like the, the kind of older research would say, this is connected to something that's going on on the inside. Here's kind of the bottom line is open postures. If, if you're the listener, open postures are very much your friend. When you start to close up, and I know you can't see me on an audio, but when you um, close in, wrap your arms around yourself, you know, your head goes way down, like all of these kinds of postures, it actually, those are not just outward displays, but it's also constricting on the inside. Blood flow isn't working as well. So open postures keep you on the inside in the best, your best chance at more of an open, creative, the right chemicals flowing space. So, um, so finding ways to sit or stand where you stay a bit open and expanded is not only positive for the hearer or the person on the other side of the conversation, but it's actually helping you engage in the conversation well. And you may, you know, you may realize during a conversation, oh, I didn't realize it. I've gotten all like so listening so hard. I've slumped over and crossed myself really closely. And then I, you know, just open back up, but it's a great, now, this is one of the things I'll say, if I jump tracks over to what are things that help us listen well. So listen for the content of what the person's saying, but also listen for the rest of it, like the tone or the nonverbals. That's something that I can mirror back to you. As I'm listening to you tell me this thing that you want to challenge me about, or that's really hard. If I am listening to the nonverbals, so to speak, I could say something like, Allie, I noticed that when we first started the conversation, you seemed a lot more relaxed. And now you're, you know, your arms are crossed. And like, I could describe something about your posture back to you, not as a judgment, but as an observation mm-hmm. and say, I'm wondering if, if that's how you feel. Like, what, is, what, do you, what meaning do you make of that? And you might say, oh, that's nothing. I always stand this way. Or you might say, you're real, you are right. I am way more worked up than I was 15 minutes ago. That's really good listening for, on my yeah. side, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That does make a lot of sense. Thank Absolutely. you. Well, you know, Ross, one of the things that I loved about you as my coach, um, and I probably didn't realize this about you as a friend, but boy, I sure did in coaching and it didn't take very long, is that you really believe you believed the best was going to happen and you believed wholeheartedly that I could do whatever it was that we were discussing and talking about 
Um, and there were times I think you had more faith that it was going to that that it was going to all come out in the end than I did. Um, but you transmit that so well. Um, it's just part of who you are as a as a person, and I think that transmits as a coach um, that you know what um, we we can do this. And so as we kind of wrap this discussion up a little bit, I think it would just be so appropriate. We're going to do some rapid fire questions. We always do that at the end, but I think it would be appropriate as we kind of wound this thing down for you, maybe just to give those that are listening uh, some of those, um, you know, some of those positive words that you always have, the, those belief things that you always pour into the people that you coach that say, you know what, it's possible for us to be good listeners it's possible for us to be good interpersonal communicators, although it is hard work. So share a little bit about that. With it us. is possible, Reba, no matter what your personality is, whoever's listening, like you can get better at listening. You can honor people. You can love people through listening to them. And you're not sacrificing your own positions or beliefs or even opinions about how you're showing up by making room for theirs. Let that be a different conversation. Ask for a different oh, Ross, conversation. Say that, say that again, Ross, that's so good. Ask for a different conversation okay. to share your side. If they've come to you with their side, just, just focus on the one thing of hearing them. Hmm. And, and we can do it, like everyone can do it. So I'll say this, like, so, don't try to do it all at once. Maybe try this in a conversation. Listen for content only. Like all the emotional part of the whatever, just let it go. But can you actually hear the content of what the person's saying? Even if it's very colorful with a lot of other stuff and try just reflecting back to them the content and see if they say, yes, that is what I'm trying to say. You can do that. Mm. It will not be easy, but I, everyone listening can try that. Listen for content. A different thing to listen for is how it's affecting the person. So there may be some conversations where it's like, oh, that's what I'm going to try to listen for is, you know, how this situation that they're describing very colorfully is affecting them, the impact on them. That's what I mirror back is. So what I'm hearing is the impact on you is and see, I mean, that's a bit more nuanced, but we can all do it. And they may say, no, that's not it at all. And you know what? Then they'll re-explain and I can, oh, and I can try again. But so Reba, this is the thing. We live in a culture where um, the cancel culture, where it's all about shutting people down hmm. and um, being the loudest or the quickest. It's all very fast. And I appreciate, Allie, what you said earlier about slowing down. And we can all hit the pause button. We can all hit in a in the moment of a conversation, we can hit pause and say, I'm gonna listen for content right now. I'm gonna listen for impact right now. If I do that one thing and do it well, the person will feel loved, valued, appreciated, understood more than they did when they came in. Hmm. Nobody gets a buy. Everybody can work on this. Everybody can get better at it. No one will ever be perfect at it. No one but everybody can get better. But it's worth the effort, right? Absolutely worth the effort. Yeah, because we've how got so many great- How yeah. does it feel when nobody's doing that? We're all like, we're all sick of it and done with it. You know, yeah. it's like, it doesn't feel good to live in a world where no one's listening. Right, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and you know, we've got people that are important to us, friendships and relationships in our families. And sometimes those are the hardest places in the world to have good interpersonal communication uh, as with the people sometimes that are the dearest and the closest to our hearts. Uh, and yet, you know, it's worth the work because those people are worth it to us. Um, and I think as believers, we, we have a calling to a world and that means that world, whether they're as lost as they are and as, you know, maybe as confused as they are, that world is while we're still here. And so therefore, that is also a part of what I've, I'm left here to do. And so therefore, it's worth it again. Um, it's worth it. Yeah. So well, Ross, this has been so good. And I feel like we could probably have a four hour podcast today. And I, I, I know if we had listeners that could ask spontaneous questions you would probably be uh just slammed today with people wanting to uh wanting to ask you some questions but um but Allie and I always love to end the podcast with just a few rapid fire things uh, so first of all thank you thank you thank you for being here with us today this has been incredibly helpful I believe thank you for having this topic I so believe that this is needed everywhere right now yes. so yeah and so uh and maybe we'll be able to get you back and uh, expand on it a little bit more. That would always be good. Um, but we're gonna do rapid fire. So this is kind of uh, what we do. Uh, I'll just, we'll just both ask you a few questions here and kind of go back and forth uh, just with some fun things. And then we'll end with the question we ask every person on the show. Okay. So uh, so here's, a, here's the first one I'll kick off and then we'll let Allie go next. What book has impacted you? Um. So I'm just going to rapid fire. I'm just going to go with what pops in my head. So just recently, somebody actually um, that I have very little contact with sent me a message and said, you started your own business. You should read this book. It's Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, the founder of Nike. And if I like truth disclosed, I'm not even a Nike fan. I wear Adidas. Sorry, <laughs> Phil. But that book is like shockingly good it's um a crazy story so it's a true story but it's a page turner kind of like a john grisham novel probably not for everybody but that one right now i feel like this is really interesting that so as a coach one of the things that hit me is this is a person who even in his 20s was kind of self-reflecting and asking himself some questions that i think a lot of people aren't thinking about necessarily and their 20s and then you see but then he's just crazy like crazy the stuff this guy did in building this company um so anyway that's one that comes to mind i'm really big on like the impact of enduring classics in our current like climate with ra all the racial discussions if you haven't read to kill a mockingbird by mm -hmm. harper lee now is the time yeah like yeah. such a great powerful book um a really maybe obscure one to most people that I absolutely love is The Places in Between by Rory Stewart. He's a journalist who walked across Afghanistan like mm. right after the Taliban fell, walked across the country. And this wow. is basically journal his journal excerpts. So again, probably not for everybody, yeah. but I loved it. That's so. awesome. So we know you like to read, but what is something else? You know, our, our next question is, what do you enjoy doing uh, in your free time besides reading a million books? Allie, right? I am actually, I, I wish my whole family could hear you say, we know you like to read because <laughs> I'm probably the one in the family. I, I do read, but yeah. I'm in a family of like voracious readers. Yeah. 
I'm the outdoor guy, actually. Mm, okay. I love to hike. If if I can be where I want to be, I'm like hiking in a national park, um, kayaking down a, not rapids, more of a, you know, uh, I mean, smaller ones, but I just, I love being out in nature. Good. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So here's a fun one that we always love to see how people come up with answers for this one. <laughs> What is something that people often get wrong about you? He's probably such oh, a good communicator. They don't get anything wrong about me. I think it's wrong about me. Um, I think that uh, one thing that comes to my mind is that I think maybe, so I'm married to a really extroverted person and I love people and I work with people, but I think maybe people tend to think that like, I always want to go to a party or go to the next social event or, and I really, really need my alone time mm, too. Yeah. So I feel every time I do an introvert, extrovert, like I've probably done four of those different for assessments in my adult life, I land in the exact middle every single time. So I think that probably is where I am. Okay. But so much of what I do is people focused. Mm -hmm. I find that I, most people wouldn't know that I really need, I really need my downtime. Yeah. So, you know, in the whole history of movies, what is your favorite movie? Oh my goodness. Favorite of all time. That, so that makes it really hard if it has to be favorite of all time. But I'll tell you. Well, you like, know. So, favorite. <laughs> um, I love. So if I like what what's a movie I've loved over a long period mm, of time yeah. Yeah. would be. Um, well, this is like not a fun movie for most people to watch, but The Crucible, which is actually mm. a play. Yeah, that was turned into a movie it came out the year that Titanic came out so yeah. it like should have won everything and didn't get anything but it's just really intense and well done and not for everybody Daniel Day-Lewis is um he ripped my heart out in that movie he you really know that did. Movie? I love that yes. movie I, I love Daniel Day-Lewis so I mean he's only, he only does like four movies in his lifetime but he gets awards for every one of them you know. That movie is amazing. Yeah. And another one that stuck with me for a long time, which, which is very different, is Seven Years in Tibet. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's a lot about friendship, I think. I mean, it's it's. I like movies rooted in history or based on true mm -hmm. stories. And that one is such, and it's fascinating because you learn so many cultural things right. about Tibet. But it's also really a story, of, an intense story about friendship. So mm -hmm. that would be another one. It's cool. Favorite yeah. meal, Ross? What's your favorite, favorite meal? Yeah, if you I could love food, have... Reba. I, I know love, you do. I love everything. He likes uh, all the food. It would have to be like Middle Eastern, mm -hmm. you know, something with olives and all that, um, all those amazing flavors from, yeah. Right. A little hummus and pita bread. And, and, all uh, of okay. Yeah, okay. That's yeah. what I'm having for lunch today, actually. Um, all right. So one of the one of the things we ask, and this is normally a girl question, but you have a nightstand. What's on your nightstand? I feel like this is kind of a girly question because, you know, but what's on your nightstand? What's on my nightstand is uh, my phone charger. Mm -hmm. 
probably not the best place for it, but that's <laughs> true. True, and uh, it's on my nightstand. Phone charger, box of tissues, um, my Bible and my journal, mm. and a little prayer, like a book, old book of prayers, a, mm -hmm. um, a diary of private prayer, I think it's called, that I love to read from. Right. Yeah. That's it. Very soothing. Yeah. And a lamp. Cool. Yeah. And a lamp. <laughs> and a lamp. There we go. All right. So Ross, give us this. What is a snapshot? Give us a little snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you incredible joy. Um, I When I walk in the door and my granddaughters are there and I didn't know that they were there and they scream and come, <laughs> they're two and five and come running at me and throw their arms around me and honestly I would have said the same thing 20 20 to 25 years ago when it was my kids like mm. running across the room there's something there is something really exhilarating about a child's simple joy mm. and wow I think it ties to our topic today like they're not holding back because you don't agree with them about everything and they're in the moment they're right. in the moment so and they're like free with that acceptance and love. Mm. Yeah. That's cool. But yeah. So what is, what is one thing that you're deeply grateful for? Um, I am. Wow. Allie, like my mind is flooded. I'm like, I am deeply grateful today that, um, my three young adult children um, feel free to live their mm. own lives and access me and call me mm. and, you know, and we have great conversations together. But at this point, I, it hasn't always been mm. like smooth or easy as every parent knows, but I would say it feels like we have really respectful and joy filled mm. and appreciative relationships. I think we've worked hard to be there and I'm like every day of my life super grateful for that mm. oh, that's awesome all right well Ross this is how we always end our you know you can't have a uh, a podcast about being deeply rooted without asking this question uh, but what keeps you what keeps you deeply rooted what keeps you grounded and as we talk about that verse uh, chapter in Psalm 1 what keeps you successful yeah so I really believe that, um, so for me, I would say like my whole adult life, I was blessed early on to kind of a, to be beginning adult life grounded in scripture and then choosing to make decisions based on truth. So I just kind of mentioned that as the platform from which I would offer these other things. So with that context, then I think right now, one of the things that keeps me rooted and grounded is staying in pretty close touch to who God made me to be, like how God made me and who he made me to be. So regularly visiting my values, my like not biblical, but like my personal, yeah. the things that I bring and value that I know if I stay in touch with them, I can bring them to the world every day. Um, in a powerful way. So that like is a rhythm, a discipline, but I think that keeps me 
grounded. And then the idea of a pause or different than just needing alone time, like an intentional pause or Sabbath moment during the week. And I kind of have a rhythm of, um, I mentioned my journal, but like pausing and thinking about where I am and where my heart is and attaching that back to truth and journaling about that. And then I, it helps me be both grateful and reflective about what's going on. And then the last thing for me, it's not for everybody, but I mentioned I love to be outside. Like I, if I'm not in nature, I'm not going to feel grounded, no pun intended. But <laughs> so like this time of year when we're not traveling, but it's summer, like I'm in my yard, probably doing something, even if it's just watering the plants every day. Um, I, for me, being outside is part of staying centered. Yeah. Looking at the sky, like, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Ross, it has been so awesome to have you today. And Allie, I know this has been so good, right? Very helpful. I actually took notes. Today. All right, there we go. So we, me and Allie have had a coaching a, a coaching session today during the podcast. And we hope- I just I just want to say other people can't see you, but like you both have been really good listeners during the podcast. <laughs> We've been really trying. <laughs> well, this has been so great. And if you want to connect with Ross, Ross, if, if they want to connect, maybe there's somebody out here who would be interesting. I know I int- attended your women's leadership cohort, which was fabulous just fabulous um and i know that you guys offer other things like that for maybe if if there's somebody listening that's in business and they're looking for a coach or some different things so right as we close can you tell people you know how they can get a hold of you and maybe give a shout out to the women's cohort a little bit because man it was so powerful and we absolutely reba thank you for asking so um www.boldmoveintl like abbreviation for international, boldmoveintl.com is our website. And you will, so I will say it's not just business. Like I coach people in like church leaders, nonprofit leaders, business leaders. I'm like recently coached a musician who wanted to relaunch her singing career. So anybody and everybody that might be looking for a coach, the women's um, leadership cohort, thanks to, or due to COVID, um, we actually have a fully online version out that are, is opened up to pe- women all over the world. And we have like, yeah, because w- Reba, when you did it, it was in person and it was all people geographically centered together. Right. So we've just opened registration for the next cohorts, which will begin the last week of August. One is completely virtual and the other one, if able, we would meet in Greenville, South Carolina. If not, we'll meet online as needed for that one. And it's not, it's not gender focused when we say women's leadership development cohort. It's acknowledging that we live in a world where m- men have had a lot easier access to many things related to leadership development. And we wanted to create a program that provided a context for women where they're supported by other women mm-hmm. and can share insights and stories. It's been hugely successful yeah. Um, so we're very excited about that. And we have some other trainings. You can look under the events tab on the website and see the different types of trainings that we offer. Janice uh, does public speaking consulting, which isn't just doing a big speech for a thousand people. It, it could be preparing for an inter- interpersonal you know, <laughs> conversation as well. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, that's so cool. And I would really encourage you uh, to go out there and check out their site and look at the opportunities that, you know, that might really speak into your life, because I can tell you that it's uh, absolutely worth it. And it's been such an impactful thing, not only on my life personally, but on, on Dare for More as a ministry whole. So we're super grateful for that. And Ross, thank you so much for being with us today and kind of pouring into our listeners today. So as we leave today, uh, man, if you're listening, uh, go back over some of the things that you uh, you heard Ross say and uh, thinking about focusing on those important conversations and really intentionally being present and listening. Um, and, uh, you know, let's see if we can't do it and improve our, our efforts as we, as we love on our families, as we love in our spousal relationships, and then as we love a world who may see life very different than we do. So uh, thanks for joining us today. It's been a great day. uh, And uh, we hope to see you again on the podcast. Thank you for listening to Rooted Deep. To learn more about Dare for More Ministries, go to dareformore.org. And look up Mercy Workshop at mercyjewelry.org.